Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Praise the Lord. This week, something special is happening at your church. Just a little little quiz. You, might you know what that would be? A, mi a missions banquet? Did someone say a missions banquet? At my church? At your church? Awesome. So when is that? Thursday, the 26th. At what time? What time? I'm hearing the same people. What time? Yes. Awesome. There are places to sign up. You are not doing anything at that time, but staring at a stupid screen. I'm telling you, you need to be here so that we could support our missionaries and so that we can build up your waistline. Okay. And it, it, it's all going to happen here this Thursday. You need to sign up. We do have about 24 plus people signed up. It's usually in lieu of what we would have as our 50 plus night, but that's going to be our missions banquet night. And I do hope that you'll all come and sign up. Doc Tony is gonna text you. If you have signed up, he's gonna text you and make sure that you know how much to bring. Can I, can I tell you something about church? Always bring more than you think you should. <laughs> And get a picture in your mind of my face eating your food and then say I need to cook more <laughs> all right all right okay good another very quick announcement is this immediately following service I know a number of mothers are meeting with Miss Macy that's going on we also are going to be doing a little bit of uh, key training and uh, touch login training on our alarm system if uh, if you happen to miss this one, I'm sure we will have another one, okay? But that's following uh, the service today. So if you have a, t a key, you're going to have to have a code. It only gonna, it's only going to take about five minutes. Say five. Five. Minutes. That's all. That's all, okay? Amen. We have one more thing before we dive into the Word this morning. I don't know why I'm so, like, animated today. I need to sta <laughs> just stand still, right? <sighs> Come on. All right, it's like you're you're not you're not kindergartners. Hey guys, <laughs> it's, all right. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, we have one more thing. Miss Veronica is going to be speaking here in just a moment, and it's about issue one. But first, we're going to watch a video, and then she'll come up immediately afterwards. Okay, okay. God bless. Join with millions of other Ohioans and vote no on issue one. Issue 1 is a proposed constitutional amendment concerning unrestricted access to abortion and much more. Now, the very first line of the text of the amendment is, quote, the right to reproductive freedom, end quote. Now, maybe you question what the right to reproductive freedom or reproductive rights consist of. Well, a simple Google search will show you that reproductive rights have a lot to do with unrestricted access to abortion. But if you look a bit closer, you'll discover that reproductive rights are tongue and groove with reproductive justice. Now, what's reproductive justice? Well, reproductive justice is defined as reproductive rights for all genders and sexualities. 
You will also learn that sexual and reproductive health rights must encompass four intersecting components, sexual health, reproductive health, reproductive rights, and sexual rights. Now the Guttmacher Institute provides a list of, quote, the essential package of sexual and reproductive health interventions, end quote. At the top of the list, quote, comprehensive sexuality education. See, it's no longer just sex education, but sexuality education. You see, in clear terms, reproductive rights encompass the entire rainbow and all the sexual expressions and lifestyles the rainbow represents. You will also see at the very beginning of the amendment, under Article 1, Section 22, Letter A, quote, every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, end quote. This clearly includes adults and minors. The reproductive rights of minors will find protection in this amendment, and this without parental consent or notification. Now, how do I know that? Well, the lawyers at findlaw.com ask the question, quote, do minors have reproductive rights, end quote. Their answer, quote, in the United States, the power to govern the sexual and reproductive health and rights of minors is mostly in the hands of the states, end quote. They go on to say that some states have no parental notification laws, while other states do have parental notification laws. However, not to worry, because even in those states where parental notification law exists, quote, many healthcare providers concerned with the reproductive rights and well-being of minors have opposed these laws and other laws restricting minors' reproductive freedoms. The point is the same activists who write and advocate for the adoption of the amendment are the same advocates pushing for the application of this amendment onto minors and children. So what is the standing of Ohio parents? Well, the amendment goes on to say under letter B, quote, the state shall not directly or indirectly burden, penalize, prohibit, interfere with, or discriminate against either, one, an individual's voluntary exercise of this right. This amendment trumps any Ohio law concerning parental rights on consent and notification. Listen, it's not hard to imagine this amendment being the basis for the indoctrination of your first grader with transgender ideology, and that without your consent or knowledge. Perhaps you think, our elected representatives will be able to chip away at the more radical parts of this amendment. But did you hear what I just read? Quote, the state shall not directly or indirectly burden, penalize, prohibit, interfere with, or discriminate against either, one, an individual's voluntary exercise of this right. Your elected official will be helpless to change or amend any part of this constitutional amendment in any way. This will be the law of the land, period. Now this is also about abortion, free and complete access to abortion at any time during pregnancy. But, you may say, under letter B, number three, it says, quote, however, abortion may be prohibited after fetal viability, but the following words go on to show those words to be empty window dressing, because it says, quote, but in no case, may such an abortion be prohibited if the judgment of the pregnant patient's treating physician, that's an abortionist, it is necessary to protect the pregnant patient's life or health, end quote. Now this is taken right out of the Roe v. Wade playbook, 
where a woman's health is defined as physical, mental, emotional, even economic health. And the one who makes the determination as to whether it's important to the woman's health is the abortionist. Now think about it. Since Roe v. Wade, there has been an estimated 70 million abortions in our country. In not one of those cases did the attending physician say, you know, young mother, I don't think this abortion would be good for your physical, mental, emotional, or economic health. I recommend you not get an abortion. No, in every single case of 70 million mothers, the choice was abortion with the affirmation of the attending physician, the abortionist. Now this amendment makes access to abortion available at any time during pregnancy, as long as an abortionist says, I think this would be good and a healthy choice for you. So, one, the usurping of parental rights. Two, the indoctrination of minors, all things pertaining to the rainbow. Three, zero power of voted officials to do anything that limits the effects of the amendment. And four, complete and total access to abortion at any time during pregnancy. All reasons why I encourage you to join with millions of other Ohioans and vote no on issue one. This is about abortion and so much more. Thank you for your time. Hello, so I know it's kind of confusing because I was just up here in July encouraging you to vote yes, but that was for a constitutional amendment that would have made this constitutional amendment harder to pass. That issue failed, and so currently all it's going to take is 50% plus one majority for everything he just talked about to be the law in Ohio. Um, and I know this is always a touchy subject um, because for one, it's deemed political, um, but this is not really a political, political issue. It does not have to do with a candidate. That's why we're able to talk about it in church. Um, and then the other touchy subject, of course, being abortion. And so I always want to say, if you have been involved in an abortion in any way, there is healing for you. Um, there is Deeper Still Ministries that does a tremendous job of taking both women and men through the healing process. Um, but one thing I want to bring up that he didn't really touch on was the protection for third party. Um, so he had mentioned in there, no one can prohibit an individual from exercising their right, but it also adds protection for any person that assists an individual in exercising this right. So everything he said about the grooming of children, now imagine you have no right to be involved in that decision, and so a teacher or any other person of influence over your child could take them to either get puberty blockers or an abortion without your consent. And so I really can't over, um, I can't overstate how important this is. And also um, the fight that we're in, because honestly, I've been out talking to people for a couple of months and it's not looking great. If the church does not step up and go out and vote no, this is going to win. <laughs> like, I'm sure you've seen the ads. The other side is not afraid to lie about what they're doing. They're talking about an abortion ban in Ohio. There's not an abortion ban in Ohio. Abortion is legal right now until 22 weeks. The heartbeat law is not in effect. Um, 
of course, as Christians, we are hopeful um, that that will be in effect soon, that the courts will rule in our favor. But if this passes, the courts will never rule in our favor because there will be a constitutional right to abortion. And so, um, so yeah, just want to encourage you to do what you can. Um, we have been using something called the PI um, acronym, which is Pray, Influence, and Engage. And so we are encouraging people to pray um, in the spirit of Second Chronicles 7.14, which says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And quite honestly, we need a miracle from the Lord. Like, when issue one failed in August, um, I was pretty devastated. And I thought, okay, God, like, this is going to be you. Because I honestly don't think we can defeat this with just a simple majority. Because I knew how the lies were going to be and all of the money that the ACLU and Planned Parenthood has. Um, and so we're encouraging people to pray every day at 7.14 a.m. and p.m. Um, to you know, it's easy to remember because of Second Chronicles 7.14. Um, and then influence. So one thing that was frustrating in August is I saw people posting on election day that they had voted, but they hadn't said anything leading up to election day on their social media. And I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> like, you're on our side, but where have you been? It's too late. And even now, we're two weeks away from the election, but we're also two weeks into voting because early voting started two weeks ago. So please, Use your influence. You don't have to be creative. You can share a post from Ohio Right to Life or Protect Women Ohio, but just to influence whoever would see your post because you have no idea what influence you might have. Um, and to talk to people. It's so important because of the lies that are out there that we're dispelling those lies with the truth. So I have information today that I can get to you so you can familiarize yourself with what the amendment was, would actually do and then you can bring it up in conversations with people. So I'm gonna encourage you to talk to five people every week for, it's only the next two weeks until the election. Um, and then engage, you can write a letter to the editor. If you are creative or good with words, write a letter to the editor for the courier. Um, and then of course, don't be shy in these conversations with people. I talked to somebody yesterday that was like, yeah, vote. Like, she spelled it to me because she had company over. I'm like, are you really that ashamed to say that you're going to vote against abortion? Um, but it's a divisive topic. So, um, And then I've got signs out, so please take a sign. We don't want to have any signs left <laughs> November 7th. So <laughs> thank you so much for your time. And I'll be around in the back after service to give you those flyers. Awesome. Thank you, Veronica. Everyone give her a hand, please. Praise God. So we, we have two weeks? We have two weeks. Awesome. Awesome. Get out and vote, folks. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 15 this morning. And uh, we are going to get back to that series of emotional monsters. Anybody, anybody know some emotional monsters? Nobody? Okay. That, that's cool. And anybody ever been an emotional monster? Hey, come on, me, right here too, right? No doubt about it. Uh, how many of you know emotions out of control can make you into one, right? Maybe it's not who you really want to be, but when emotions are, are kind of leading the train, right? Feelings should be at the caboose. At the front of the train should be facts, right? Come on, faith, then feelings, right? Not feelings first, amen. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1, it says, 
Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. Now, Aram would be Syria today, okay? That, that is still a country. It's, a, it's still a place. Um, Aram was Israel's enemy at the time. Uh, Syria is Israel's enemy today, right? And Syria is where Damascus is. And if you read in your Bible about the Damascus Road experience, a lot of trade and a lot of commerce came through Syria. So it was wealthy, really wealthy at the time. And this particular man was wealthy himself, and he had a very high position. He was a general in the Syrian army, or the uh, Aram army. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord, who, who did it? Come on, say it with me. The Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but did you see that, that word right there? All of these wonderful things about this man, where he's come from is a great place, who he is is a great person, what he has is great stuff, but, right? And he has all those things because the Lord gave it to him, right? But he has leprosy. Hmm. Verse 2. Now, the bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naam's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. Um, we are really going to focus on this little girl because this little girl in humility has it all. She has it all. She is probably the cornerstone of what I want to teach and preach today because there are four people in this story, but this little girl is the story behind the story. How many of you know there's a Bible in your Bible? It's not just the surface that you need to read, but you need to get inside the story that is inside the story, right? So Nahum went with his master and told him what the little girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Nahum left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 cents of clothing. He's looking to pay somebody. He's looking to give somebody something so that he can get. He's looking to buy his way into dealing with his leprosy. Do you want to know why? So glad you asked. I'll tell you why. Because he's lost. Because he's from the world. Because this is how the world thinks. The world thinks if I have a problem, I pay you to fix my problem. But there are some problems that God is going to allow in your life that nobody but God can fix. I said nobody but God can fix. Let me tell you, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 tells us this. All things work together for the good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. It doesn't say all things are good. It says God uses all things for the good. God allowed him to get leprosy. Now hear that. God did not give him leprosy. God did not make him sick. But he did allow him to become sick. And then you fast forward to the New Testament and you begin to read about what the Apostle Paul said about his thorn in the flesh. 
And he said, it was allowed and given to me so that I would not become arrogant. Hello? This whole story this morning is about the great sumo sin called pride. And how God would rather heal you of your pride and then heal you of your sickness or your situation or what you're going through that stinks or the salty thing you're up against. He would rather heal you of your pride first because if he healed the other things first, you'd go to hell. He wants you to be forever in heaven with him. So he allows certain things to happen in your life so that it will bring you to a place of humility and you'll let God be God. Well, pastor, why is this still in my life? Maybe it's to humble you. Maybe it's to bring you to a place, Nahum, that you recognize who God is and God ain't you or me. Come on, pray with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, just, just deal with our hearts this morning. God, this message is encouraging. This message is life. This message, God, should lift us up. But at the same time, God, to receive the blessing of this message, we must go low. We must decrease, God, so that you might increase in our life. We must become humble. And we must ask you, God, and this is, oh boy, is this a prayer. We must ask you, God, deal with our pride. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, I got a little illustration this morning. I wonder if we could have some fun. You don't look like you want to have fun, but I do. Okay, so what I need is three bubblicious bubble blowers. And I need people that can really blow bubbles. Really big bubbles. Nobody, right? No, nobody at all. Nobody, right? You, oh, oh, you... You want me to call on Addie? Okay, Addie, come on down. Give her a hand, everybody. Addie! Right. I need two more. Adults, please. Uh, that's not an adult. Uh, adult. Come on, come on, Tom. Come on, give him a hand. Tom's coming. Yeah. And one more. Give, give me a lady here, okay? Um, yeah, I can handle this. How about Janet Petrella? Thank you, Janet Petrella. That's, that's so awesome of you to volunteer. Huh? Okay, okay. We'll, we'll, let, it, we'll let it slide. Um, how about Haley? Hi, Haley. Does everybody know Haley? This is Caleb's fiance, Haley. Everybody say hi, Haley. All right, she's coming. Cool. That's great. She's getting married soon. In December. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, I think it is. Okay, here you, here you go, and here you go, and here you go. It's already, go ahead and start opening. I don't care how many pieces you get, all right? Go ahead and start opening. Everybody say, on your marks, get set, go. Come on. Chew it up. Give us the biggest bubble you can. Big old bubble. Oh, you have braces. I'm sorry, Haley. We have, we have a dentist. We, have, we, we do, we do. Uh, yeah, I can recommend him. Okay. Who's voting for Haley? Come on. How about Addie? Okay. How about Mr. Tom? 
Ground control to Major Tom. Okay, so you need a minute? Come on, guys. Everybody clap them on. Here we go. Go, 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 go. Let's see that bubble. Come on, let's see that bubble. Give us a big bubble. Big old bubble. And while we're young. Tom, you got this. Haley, you can beat Tom. Oh, Haley, yeah, there's one. There's one. You keep trying. Haley at least got one. Tom, come on, anybody. Anybody. Okay, we're going to have a countdown from 10. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All right, cool. How many, of you, how many of you thought that Haley's bubble was the biggest? Okay. How many of you thought that Tom's bubble was the biggest? Okay. And, and you didn't even get a bubble out. Okay. So we've got some, we've got some prizes here. Um, everybody gets Christmas socks. Okay. Everybody gets Christmas socks. Okay. But for Miss Haley, Haley gets a... Hey, no socks. No, no Starbucks for you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who are you? I'm the big deal. <laughs> big deal. Let's give them. Let's <laughs> big deal. Let's give them their prizes back. Okay. All right. All right. Um, yeah. Oh, big deal. You're getting smaller. <laughs> big deal. You're not staying big. Okay. Everybody, give them a hand. Okay. Give them a hand. Awesome. <laughs> Big deal. Uh, welcome to church this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just got a question for you. Why do they call you the big deal? Well, because I'm big and I'm the real deal. <laughs> okay. Okay, big deal. <laughs> Here, just so everybody can hear you, big deal. Um, question for you. <laughs> big deal. Just so we understand this whole big deal that you are, what are some of the things you like to do? What do you like to do, big deal? I do me. You do you. Okay. All about me. Oh, it's all about you, huh? Okay, big deal. You've got really weird hair today. Oh. Uh, the last time I seen you wasn't any hair, but now there's, there's hair there. Uh, big deal, another question for you. Uh, are you married? I am. You are married. I am. Who? Shh. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, big deal. Oh, that's right. I am the big deal. She calls me... Bubblicious. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, big deal. <laughs> that's awesome, big deal. <laughs> okay, we didn't test any of this out, so I'm not, I'm not ready for prime time here. Okay. <laughs> so, big deal, do you have any friends? Friends have me. <laughs> okay, yeah, of course, of course. Well, big deal, just a little bit of counsel here this morning. Uh, and it comes from God's Word, not from me, okay? Don't want to pop your bubble. But God's Word says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, that we're to clothe ourselves in humility. Now, what you've got on today is a big deal, but God wants us to clothe ourselves in humility. And the reason why is it says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble and so big deal, you don't have to go through all this every day. You don't have to blow yourself up, be all puffed out, chest puffed. Mm. You can, big deal, you don't have to wear this anymore. You're telling me I can take this off right now? Well, not here, not, not in front of them, 
but you don't have to you don't have to go through all this every day. You can just be yourself in Christ. All right. Amen. So he's a big deal. He's a big Come on. Big amen. Deal. Amen. Amen. Thanks big deal everybody. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, man. I'm telling you what I was supposed to say here's the deal big deal, but I I missed my cue. Thank you big deal. Yeah, awesome. Hope you come back. Hope you come back real real soon. Here's the principle I want to teach this morning, and it's one that Naaman had to learn the hard way. You don't have to learn the hard way. You can, you can learn the easy way. And the principle is simply this. Before God heals you of what's going on on the outside, God wants to touch and heal you of what's going on in the inside. Israel made this mistake. Israel wanted a Savior and wanted a Messiah to come. And they read all the scriptures in the Old Testament about how the Messiah would come the second time and would be the second advent. But they missed and skipped all the scriptures about how Jesus would come the first time. And in skipping those first set of scriptures in the Old Testament, those prophetic scriptures about Jesus, they missed all the stuff about Jesus, the Messiah, coming as a suffering, here's the big one here, servant. All those scriptures in Isaiah about God sending his Messiah, the Meshach, as a servant. They weren't looking for a servant, okay? They were looking for a big deal. And before God does the big deal out here in your life, he wants to take care of the big deal in here. Amen? These, these, there's some characters in this story, and it kind of helps us to understand these characters, and it breaks down how pride can work in our life. The first character we see is Naaman, okay? He's a perfectionist. In fact, his name actually means perfection and beautiful. He is named that way because this is the way he looks. He's a fantastic looking guy. He can manage impressions. He cares about the outward man. He's not concerned whatsoever about the inward man. Naaman represents not just this perfectionism on the outside, but later he represents rage. When he is told how God is going to heal him through the prophet, it humiliates him rather than humbles him. And his reaction to that is the Bible says he goes off in a rage. Let me teach something very pivotal this morning. If you have a problem with anger and you have an issue with rage, the root of it is pride. You're looking through your emotions to try to control something that you should be surrendering to God. It is not okay for believers to walk in rage. It's not okay for believers to be constantly angry. Why should we be angry when we know we have a God who is taking care of everything? Seated at the throne, he's gonna handle it. But are we patient enough and submissive enough to let him handle it? Or do we feel like we need to get in the way and we need the process to go the way we want it? In Naaman's perfectionism, he had some, and here's a word for you, preferences. The question this morning is, not can God heal me. The question this morning is, God may heal you in a way that you don't like. He may choose a methodology. He may choose a delivery process that makes you humble in the process. You see, when God delivers a blessing, it comes to Humble Street. 
When God wants you to receive something new from him, it comes to Teachable Avenue. When God wants to do something great in your life, it comes to Lowly Circle. If you're not at that address, you're not going to get the package. And this is what I understand about Amazon. Because they were always delivering my stuff to my next door neighbor, Sue. I love Sue. She's an awesome lady, right? But it will take two or three weeks to get what I ordered longer because it goes to Sue's house better than mine, right? And why does it go to Sue's house? Because where I live looks like an office. And the stuff I buy or she buys doesn't look like it goes in an office. So a lot of times it goes to Sue's house. Well, Sue's a very humble lady. She's a sweetheart of a lady. And there's many times I've wanted to say, you know what, God, make me like Sue. Give me the heart of Sue. Tom, you know who I'm talking about. You lived there for a while. Sue's an awesome lady. See, God is delivering blessings, but you have to be able to be in a place to receive it. And you might be humble to do that. Think about this for a second. Maybe the delivery isn't just it. Maybe it's the package that it shows up in. And many times that package is people. And many times those people are sent by God to bless you and help you. But because you don't like the people, you don't get the blessing. Right? <laughs> you, you ever be with somebody that you, you, you can't help them? They won't let you help them. You ever go out to eat with somebody and you're like, you're going to pay for the bill? And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't do that. And it's like, yeah, let me do that. Well, well you're not going to do that. I'm paying. They always got to pay. Um, that'll never be me. I, I'm really humble. I, but here's the idea. You, <laughs> you might have substance in that area. You might have uh, resources in that area. But it's okay every once in a while if somebody else comes along and gets the blessing for blessing you. And the way God uses it and does it might humble you a bit. Because you know where you come from, and you know what street you live on, and you know what you have. And you think, how dare that person have to do, but God wants them to do it. Let them do it. I've talked to you before. Some of you can't take a compliment. Somebody says, you know, I really enjoy what you do. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I just want to say, will you shush it? <laughs> Eat a bowl of shut it stew. Shush it. Take the, say thank you, God be praised. That's all you got to do. Hallelujah, not too bad, right? Yeah. Come on. Chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Nahum was a commander of the army, king of Aram. He's a great man, sight of his master, highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory of Aram. But watch this. He was a valiant soldier and had leprosy. <laughs> he had leprosy. Now, leprosy today is something called Hansen's disease. I thought I would put a few pictures up because it's just been gross around here for the last couple of months. I've talked about how many bugs are in your ketchup and I've talked about your oatmeal has so many of this and so many of that, but I thought I'd give you a little break. You know, I just, I just think of you from time to time. And I thought I would not put those pictures up of people that are suffering with leprosy. And let me tell you the reason why, because they are gross. This is a disease where your body parts fall off like an inch at a time. It's painful. It's nasty. And at that time, if you had leprosy, there was no cure. We've only had a cure for it for a little bit of time. 
in our, world, in our history of the world. At that time, it was very, very contagious. So for this great man and all of his greatness, getting leprosy is absolutely humbling. And he had to quarantine himself. He had to go off with other people who were lepers. And they all were lepers together. They were leper colonies. And nobody could come near them, and they couldn't come near anybody else. In fact, they had to stay so many hundreds of feet away from someone, and when someone would come near, they'd have to say, leper, leper, leper. It was all part of Jewish law in the ancient Near East. This is why it's so profound that Jesus in the New Testament goes up to a leper and touches him to heal him. Because you didn't touch him. That was not lawful unless you were the high priest. And it wasn't lawful unless the atoning sacrifice came in contact. And Jesus was both. He was both. He, not, he could have healed that leper with a word at a distance. Instead, on purpose, he came and touched. And then I read my Bible where it says, he has touched he is touched with our infirmities. He's touched with our brokenheartedness. It, what you're going through touches him. And he touches you to bless you, to love you. This man called Nahum was going through the worst of the worst at the time. We see his life and we say, what can we learn? Here's what not, here's what's not to do. Don't show up to God and say, God, I'll earn my way with you for what I want. Or don't go back to God and say, God, I've tithed to a church for 20 years and I've come every service. So God, why haven't you healed me yet? There are some things that you cannot buy. There are some things that will not respond to your status. There are some things that you're going to have to receive from God and you'll receive it completely by faith. And that faith will not be released from your life until you're humble enough to know that it comes from God and God alone. Here's the second person I want to show you. Very quickly, it's the young servant girl. And man, when I read her story, it jumps out at me and it should you as well. The Bible says that actually she's captured. This is a Hebrew servant girl. She is now a slave for the rest of her life. Let me tell you how they did slaves at that time. When you became a slave to your master, you would put your ears on the doorpost of a temple and they would drive a nail through your ears. That's the first piercings. You were showing that you belonged to your master. Now, ladies, wear the earrings all you want. I think it's cool. My, wife's, my wife puts on earrings and I'm like, okay, I gotta buy dinner. Not you? Okay. I know what it means. Yep, she, looks, she looks gorgeous. I need to take her out and have something to eat, right? But at the time, that's where it came from. So she had her ears pierced, which said she belonged to this master for the rest of her life. Now, here's what should jump out at you. She is the one who says, yeah, you know, back in my hometown, uh, God's provided a way for people to be healed like him. You see, there's a story of Elijah healing someone of leprosy before this, and she had heard it, 
and knew it. Now, why is that so strange and weird? Why, let me tell you. It's strange and weird because why in the world would that be a motivation for you? If your master dies, and he dies a slow death at that, oh, how enjoyable. Think about this. You will no longer be a slave to him. And your life will someday be free. But until it is free, you can at least watch this jerk that enslaved you and took you from your hometown and your family die this painful death. That's not her heart. She is the most humble person in the story. Because when she could have, through her being bit, become bitter, instead she became better. And she allowed the word of God hmm. she allowed the word of God to pass through her mouth to someone who was mean to her someone was mean to me pastor this week they, you don't understand they're mean and then we read what Jesus says right he says if somebody strikes you on the cheek and then if somebody asks you to carry their cloak and if someone asks you to walk a mile and do this for your enemies bless them and we think that's crazy talk right until we understand that in all of those categories we are the ones that remain free if a roman soldier commanded you to carry his uh his gig his sword and all of his stuff for a mile and you say i'll go too who is making the decisions now? Who's free now? Those parables are there because Jesus wants you to think free. Jesus wants you to be free. Jesus wants you to give freely instead of living your life in unforgiveness and bitterness. Jesus wants you to be free. And not only do you become free, the people around you who think they're in control, by the way, they're not they become free too she didn't say oh i'm gonna enjoy this i'm gonna watch you're gonna get what's coming to you <laughs> she said no there's a there's a way to be healed and i know a god through a prophet that can heal you and i don't know maybe this is the economy of heaven and the economy of the way jesus does things maybe you've read in your bible where it says in philippians chapter 2 verse 5 let this mind be in you which is the same of Christ Jesus who in the form of God didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God but made himself of what no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant it's almost like the Fonz who couldn't say sorry happy days I know sorry kids sorry used to be this guy yeah never mind Never mind. <laughs> little girl had it figured out. The little girl represented Jesus. The little girl had more power than anybody in this story. And God was using her. The next one is King Jehoash. You say, well, that's a fancy name. What does Jehoash mean? Jehoash means God gives. He doesn't act like it. He doesn't act like God gives. He, he's not walking in faith at all. In fact, he is really, really concerned right now because a letter now comes to him from Nahum's master that's saying, guess what? 
Nahum's coming to your town. And Jehoash, he's looking to be healed. The Bible and the rest of the story tells us that this king tears his robes. That's not a bad thing. We kind of looked at that a little bit earlier with the big deal who was here. He tears his robes. All of this, and by the way, by that time, if you wore anything purple, it, was, it made you not just majestic, but it showed just how much money you had. It was very, very costly to dye clothes at that time. So he tears his clothes, and he says, what am I going to do about this situation? What does he think? I can just do it? You see, King Jehoash has pride too. And pride can show up not just in preferences and in being a perfectionist and leading to rage. Pride can also show up in fear and insecurity. Let me tell you, if pride is the main focus of any of our lives, the root of it is insecurity. It is this insecure person that says, I must put on a show. I must make myself larger than I really am. I must inflate my sense of self-worth. Why? Because if I don't, you might see the cracks in my character. You might see my flaws. Sister, let me help you. Everybody already sees your flaws. Brother, let me help you. You're not the hottest thing since sunburn. Everybody already knows your weaknesses and flaws. And when you flaunt it, your flaws stick out even more. Right? Come on. Uh-huh. Do I have you this morning? So Jehoash, he, he went into fear mode. Why? Because he believed that what he was being asked of was too far beyond what God could ever do. Huh. Interesting. And so he fights the situation because he's insecure. Listen, a fight is, if life has been a fight for you, you know, and there's fight or flight, and for you it's just fight, if life has been a fight for you, well, then everything will look like a fight. Everything will look like you need to fight. Every situation will look like it's a fight. Can I, can I just tell you, that's when you're the most insecure. When every little thing that pops up, you think you got to fight. You, you, you remember in third grade, you had that friend, and every recess, we're going to fight. What are we going to fight about? I don't know. There's just another fight. Well, listen, man, we don't have to fight all the time. I'd like to play a little basketball. Well, we got we're going to fight. It's like, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Right? Come on. Not every, you, you don't need to die on every hill. Everything doesn't need to be a big deal. And I mean, some churches are like that. It's just like, you know what, pastor? We need to go mow the lawn on that. I don't want to mow the lawn because every, listen, there's stuff hidden in the grass. I don't want to expose it yet. Can, can we wait a little while and maybe go and pick st that stuff out of the grass before we mow the lawn and spew it all over the neighborhood? I don't know. Anybody picking up what I'm putting down? I mean, a styrofoam cup becomes a disaster to it. <laughs> I mow here sometimes. Somebody left a, a styrofoam cup and I'm mowing. And then I just go back over it a hundred times, you know. <laughs> maybe they won't see it, you know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, look at the difference here. We'll get, get to the fourth one. We're almost done. The Bible says in verse 8, when Elijah, <laughs> the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. The king said, who do you think I am? You think I'm a healer? 
He looked at this situation. He said, this is going to, why pick a quarrel with me? See how they're looking at me? See this? He didn't even wave at me. If you're, if you're from a small town, you know how important that is. I grew up in a small town, and then I went to Chicago. And, and, and <laughs> uh, in a small town, you wave at everybody. When you go to Chicago and you wave at somebody, they call the police. Okay, they're not used to it, you know. So some people, it's a big deal. And, and the king was at a place, he was so insecure, he's just like, this is going to be a fight, you're picking a quarrel with me. Uh, listen, you won't even wave at me. Look at you. And that's just insecurity. But insecurity really is pride. Tear the robes, right? Humble yourself. And then when Elijah hears all that, Elijah said, I know God is a healer. And he says, watch this. Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Uh, let, me, let me put that into modern vernacular, okay? Translation. <clears throat> have the lost come to this church and they will know that there is a healer the holy spirit and god in this church and they should be we should that's what we should be telling people not come see how great our worship team is by the way they're pretty good but not not how great this program is or how great that is how great your god is how great god is okay Elisha says, send him to me because the word of God is with me. <laughs> Verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots. What did he need those for? Chariots. Plural. What do you need its for? You got leprosy, dude. You could have rode in on a horse with no name. What do you need its? Why do you need the chariots? Why do you need the horses? You don't need all that. But hey, we got to make an impression. You know? The pastors do this too. I got a couple pastor friends that they have to drive a certain car. You know? And I'm like, what, dude? Will it get me from here to here? Is it paid for? Cool. You know? Got to wear certain clothes. Got to wear certain watches. Got to wear certain... You're, you're looking at... I want to tell you. This is about a, a cool $50 wardrobe right here, straight from Wallace World, Walmart. I love you, but if you were looking for Slick Rick, I ain't it. You get Sweet Glenny. Who shops from JCPenney. Okay? That's about as high as I go. Shows up with horses and chariots, and his expectation is great. And he comes up to Elisha's house, and he goes, whoa, <laughs> knock, knock, we're here. And Elisha don't come to the door. Oh, imagine this, man, I know a lot of people leave a church over this one. You know, I knocked on the pastor's door, and he didn't show up. I know he was in there. <laughs> like some of you come to the office, and the office door is closed. Like, I know you're in there. I'm just sitting there. <laughs> Normally all the doors are open, but, you know. Elisha sends his servant. This guy is Gehazi. We need to talk about him later. He's got a bad spirit. This guy ain't good at all, right? Because he lies later and ends up taking all of Nahum's stuff and says, listen, the, the prophet changed his mind. He'll take payment after all. And Gehazi has a spirit of greed. Maybe we'll talk about him next week, okay? But, but in this moment, you know what? Elisha didn't come to the door. He sends his servant, and the servant comes to the door. And guess who gets ticked? Mr. Prideful. I showed up. By the way, it's 90-mile drive. 
by horses and its to get there from Damascus to where he is in Samaria. I came a long way. I'm here to see you. You get out here and do your job. And you know what Elisha does? He doesn't people please at all. He just says, um, God wants you to go. You go tell him this. And he gets honked. Just like you and I do. When people don't meet our expectations, you don't have any of them, I know. Right? Like when somebody says, hey, let's go out to lunch. And everybody for an hour is trying to figure out where to go to lunch. You know where you want to go to lunch. You know you want to go to Cheddar's. You know you want to go to a certain place. <sighs> but you put on this facade like, I don't know. Why don't you pick? Why don't you pick? Well, why don't you pick? Do the same honking thing every week. Can we just cut to the chase? Do you know what you want? Nahum wanted God to heal him through the prophet right away, right then and there. And the prophet didn't come to him in the way he wanted to be ministered to. And he was ticked. You know how ticked he was? I'll tell you how ticked he was. This is the end of the story. He leaves. Can you imagine this? I mean, his arm's about to fall off. And he's like, it's a flesh wound, you know? <laughs> a little insight there. Maybe you knew about that. Maybe you don't, you know? It's just a, yeah. His leg's about to fall off. He's like, okay, yeah. The Black Knight. <laughs> Come on, man. You don't know about the Black Knight? Good, good. That's good. Awesome. <laughs> I'll bite you. So he's leaving. Parts are falling off his body. And he's so, like, he's so stubborn in his pride, he'd rather leave than stay and humble himself in the way that God wants him to be healed. And I wonder how many people don't get the thing they're praying for that they need so bad because they're saying, I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. Well, maybe that worked in the sandbox when you were in the first grade. But God wants you to grow up. Maybe when you first came to God, God would respond to that because you were immature. But now that you're mature, God is saying, I'm going to hold up on the blessing until you humble yourself. And then I can fix and heal what's on the inside and then give you what I need to give you on the outside. <laughs> There's a guy on the way home. He's part of the troop. This guy deserves a honking race. <sighs> he says to Nahum, hey, wait a minute. Ooh, that's a 90-mile trip back. You got leprosy. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You may not make it. Do you think if the prophet asked you to do a great thing, you would have done it? Well, yeah, I know, I know, but he didn't come to the door. And he wants me to dip in that nasty river Jordan. And he wants me to do it seven times. I ain't letting anybody mess with me. Israel's my enemy. God has given, me in, given them into my hand. I'm not going to go dip in some river seven times. By the way, the Jordan River is not that nasty. Unless it's at flood stage, um, and then it's nasty, okay? It's nasty until it, or it's nice and clean until it's not. Been there, and I dipped in it. And what's really cool, too, because uh, the place where Sarah and I, like, kind of, we baptized ourselves, okay? We did. We went down, and then we went up, and little, little bitty fishies live in there. And they come, and they nip on your, your feet and your toes, 
And it's a fun experience. You almost feel like, you know, you're being, you're going to be eaten by a sea monster. But it, it's it really fun. I'd love for you to go someday. Hopefully all this fighting to get over, we'll all go over there together and you can experience the little fishies that eat your toes. Yeah. But it's clean. You can almost see them. But when it's at flood stage, it's a nasty. And he's like, listen, I'm not doing that. That's humiliating. And, and can you just imagine this? Because this is the way we think today, okay? Um, we're like, <laughs> well, I'll dip once, but seven times, come on. I'm not coming back and asking. I'm not praying to God seven. I'm not praying seven times. I'm praying one time. There you go, God. You get one. And God says, you ain't humble. It's not the amount of times, it's the amount of pride. You ain't humble. You don't tell me. God says, you don't tell me. I want to do it. You don't know how much I want to do it. I want to do it more than you're asking for it. But here, because you're still prideful, you are asking for it. I'll let you stay in that until you approach me in humility. Right? And this guy from his troop goes, well, if he'd asked you to do a great thing, you'd have done it. Why can't you do this? Can't you go back and do this? Do you see how many people had to come? This is such a great man. Yeah, see how many people, the little girl, the prophet, this guy's, uh, uh, this guy's one of his troop commanders, they all have to come and knock some sense into him. Isn't it funny how the higher you go in the life, the dumber you get? When I was down here, I was really smart. When I started pastoring, I got dumb. And I needed people to come along and t talk to me. Hello? Do you, do you know that in God's upside-down kingdom, that's, that's a good thing? That's okay for God to use people? Close with this thought, because you ready. I can tell. Okay? Close with this thought. Has it ever occurred to you in hearing this story back in the flannel graph days of Sunday school that uh, this is the same place that 480 years later, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes and gets dipped in it's okay for him and it'll get okay for you you american gun rack in your pickup you've all got them i know I can handle this. I'll get through this. Country boy will survive. Come on. I, I can overcome that. I can do it all. Can you? Until you can't. Until you realize just how much you need God. And then the way God shows up is not in a preference and not in a perfectionist way and causes you a little bit of rage and causes you to get a little bit irritated. And then you realize the real problem here isn't exactly what I'm going through. The real problem is the pride that's in me then you lay that down before the Lord. You're humble. You're no longer putting uh, predicated preferences on him and you say, God, I need it so bad, I'll take it any way you give it to me. And God says, boys, angels, go. They got it. They're at the right address. Um, maybe you've never been taught why Jesus was baptized there. It's my job to tell you. He was baptized not being baptized because he needed to be he was not being baptized there because he had sin that was the baptism of repentance 
he didn't have anything to repent of. You see, it was part of the humiliation of Christ, what we call in theology, the lowering or the kenosis, the humiliation of Christ. He not only came down to this earth to take our place, but he took our place in every single way. He was baptized in Jordan for you. He took your place, not just at the cross. He took your place in the river. And if you could just remember just how goofy you were, I know you're all just, I know you're all sparkling saints, so honking saved. You've never been more saved than ever in your life. I mean, there's jewels all over your crowns. I know it. But if you could just remember that time in your life when you weren't that way, and you were kind of a hot mess, And you came and gave your life to Christ. And he freely took you. He just, he grabbed you in, man. He didn't hold you back. He didn't say clean it up first. He said, come on in. I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And let me tell you the reason why the father could do that. Because let me just tell you, if the son hadn't taken your place in Jordan and at the cross, you'd be his enemy. You, you would, your sin is like leprosy, not just to you, but to others and to the Father, and he can't look on it. And yet his son took that place for you so that you could take his place seated at the right hand of God at the throne. Would you stand with me in prayer? Just a simple prayer today before we go, but I wonder if each of us could take a minute We could surrender anger, surrender insecurity, surrender our perfectionism and our preferences. I wonder this morning if you would be led by the Holy Spirit to surrender your pride. Please take a moment and be led by the Spirit of God.